Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. If you quickly stand, I'll let you be seated just as soon as we read these five verses. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. He'd always been this way. Right from the womb, from the day he was born, he could not walk. He was lame. Been in this situation a long time. Whom they laid daily, daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Just so happened on this day that Peter and John were about to go into the temple. He spotted them. The Bible says, who's seeing Peter and John? He was expecting to receive something. Amen. He saw them about to go into the temple, and he says, excuse me, do you gentlemen have any spare change? Now, that's the DRV, the Doug Rice version. Do you gentlemen have any alms? And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, you know, you know, the, you know what they told us to do when we were... Uh, out of the country, and there was a lots of people begging for things. They just told us one thing: don't make eye contact with them. You make eye contact with them, and it's over. Peter and John, they knew they didn't have anything in their pocket, but they looked at him anyway. They fastened their eyes upon him and said, "Look on us." And he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. I just want to preach a message that I've entitled a place called expectation. I think we're in the right place today. I feel like we're in the right place today. Somebody needs to get their mind turned on to the right thing right now. Somebody needs to get real tired of hearing the word no and come with an expectation of hearing yes. The Bible tells us that this lame man turned to Peter and John. He was expecting to receive something. Now, obviously, from this point of the story, we know that he receives way more than he expected to receive, but that's usually the case when God gets involved with whatever it is that you're looking for. You know, we have certain expectations of mankind. We have certain expectations of what a friend might be able to do or even a stranger might be able to do. But, but when God gets involved, he always supersedes our expectation. He goes above and beyond what we can even expect him to do. And so he gets much more than he expected. But the key is that he was expecting something. He was expecting something. Maybe it was a piece of silver, a piece of gold, a morsel of food. He was asking for alms. He was asking, do you gentlemen have anything that you can hand me so I can go get myself something to eat so I can provide for myself? It's very obvious that I'm here because I can't go out and work like the average guy. My legs don't have any strength. I have to be carried to this gate every single day to put myself at the mercy of those that might show me a little bit of grace. He believed that there was something coming to him that would improve his situation. He did not know 
what it was, but he had optimism in that moment. He had an expectancy that he would receive something that he needed, maybe not in full, maybe only in part. He might have to stay there the rest of the day to get everything that he needed to get through another day, being a lame man in that day and hour, but he expected to get something from these men <coughs> because people that ignore you and don't make eye contact with you, typically walk past. Like it or not, we live our lives according to our expectations. I want you to think about that just with me for a moment. There are people that you know that have come out of some very dark, deep holes in life. There are people that I know and I can think of right off the top of my head, just a, 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 a handful of people that, that have come out of some dark situations, some, some situations that many would give up with, uh, give up in, but, but because they believed and they expected that they could be set free from that, they were able to work their way out of that hole. There's something very powerful about the will of a man or a woman who sets their mind to do something great. People that believe their lives can get better, generally their lives get better. There are, on the flip side of that, those that believe that their lives cannot change. Typically, I believe Brother Jones kind of alluded to it just a little bit today. You hear a lot of excuses from people like that. Well, this is just the way I am. This is just the lot that I've been handed in life, and I can't do anything about this, or my father was this, and so everybody looks at me a certain way, or I, I've just, I've, I've done this wrong thing. Well, who, who hasn't done something silly and stupid in their past? <coughs> I'm glad that God doesn't judge me. <laughs> Easy, brother. I'm glad that God doesn't judge me by my lowest moments in time. Mankind might look at me and forget some dumb things that I've done, uh, not forget some dumb things that I've done, but God says, hey, when you come to me and you repent, I'll wash it away as far as the east is from the west. He gives me a brand new slate. He doesn't look at me at my lowest, but he sees what he expects me to become. So the question is today, we've walked into another service, another Sunday service, another typical Sunday for most of us. We walk in here, we expect somebody to teach a, a, a Sunday school lesson, our kids go to the different Sunday school classes, and then we all gather together, sing a couple of songs, we all go home, somebody's got some roast in a crock pot, somebody's already got a, a, a place picked out that you know you want to go grab something to eat after church, you've already got plans for the rest of the evening, and sometimes what we expect is just to get through another Sunday so we can go about our daily routines. But I've asked you today, what have you come to this service expecting to happen in this place today? Because what you expect plays a great role in what you will get. There's a story I read about a young military man. He was studying to be a psychologist, and so he got the great call of duty to serve in the mess hall. And they put him in right down at the end of the chow line serving apricots. Now, <clears throat> it's, it's no secret that the military men do not like apricots. I mean, does anybody like apricots, really? I mean, I know a handful of people that like apricots. 
okay, all right. Like I said, there's a handful of special people that like apricots. Apricots were not high on everybody's list. And so he developed this little experiment, this little psychological experiment. (coughs) And the men would come through the line. He allowed a certain amount of men to come through the line. He would, when they got to him and he was ready to serve out their, their bowl of apricots, he said, you don't want apricots, do you? 90%, nine out of 10 men said, no, I'll pass on the apricots. 90% of the men said no. So he let some of those men go by, and he said, no, I'm going to change things up. <coughs> and he said, started talking to the men. He said, you want apricots, don't you? And it went from 90% saying no to only 50% saying no. And so he said, I'm going to do one more little test here, one more little experiment. And he started at the end of the chow line when he was standing there with the apricots and the men would pass by. He would say, would you like one bowl or two bowls of apricots? 40% of the men said, I'll take two bowls. 50% of the men said, I'll take one bowl. He went from having nine out of ten of those military men telling him no to nine out of ten eating apricots, the same apricots that none of them liked, simply because of the way that he posed the question, because every question he asked, it was with either a negative or a positive. He began treating them like, well, you definitely want apricots, just how much do you want? Nine out of ten men were eating the apricots. The experiment shows us that all too often we get what we expect to get. We get what we expect. Same apricots, different outcome. Simply because of the change of expectation going from negative to positive. So I ask again, What is your expectation today out of this service? Have I just come with a negative expectation? Have I just come saying I'm punching in my spiritual time clock so I can make sure the pastor knows that I was there and show God that I showed up one more time, but I'm not really expecting anything to happen. I'm not really expecting a healing to take place. Oh, my situation's so bad, or my problem is so bad that I can't do anything. God can't do anything with me. Well, that's probably what you're going to leave with. There's a rule in the realty business most of you have probably heard of. Sure, Sister Hopkins could back me up on this, being a realtor. The most important thing about a place that you're getting ready to sell or somebody wants to sell, location, 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 right? You can take a a ratty house in a really nice location, and you can expect to get a higher dollar amount out of that house. Not because the house is so great. This is exactly me and my wife's story. When we moved to Highland, everybody would say, we'd say, where do you, they'd say, where where do you live in Highland? We'd say, off the corner of Jockey and Lindenthal. Try to spell Jockey sometime. Look it up. I'm not going to go into it. Starts with a Z. (coughs) 
corner of Jockey and Lindenthal, it was a very highly traveled road right there. A lot of people walked down, and everybody would say, oh, you guys live in the big blue house on the corner? No. Oh, you must live in the gray house on the other side of the street, that big two-story gray house with a wraparound? No. We live in the little tan house right there in the corner, smallest house. But you know what? When we sold that place, we got a premium dollar for it. Why? Because it was at the corner of Jockey and Lindenthal. It was, it was not the nicest house on the block, but the location made it valuable. <coughs> There's a reason why this man was sitting where he was. It was the location. We can all think about places that just can't seem to make it. My wife and I were driving through Fairview Heights yesterday, and I said, that, that restaurant's out again. Different, I can't tell, three or four different restaurants have gone in the same place, and they've not been able to succeed there. It's got to be something to do with the location. Something about the location, and so... This, the Bible tells us that Peter and John met this lame man at the gate called Beautiful. And there's a reason why this gate was called Beautiful. Anybody want to take a guess? It was beautiful. 75 foot tall, 60 foot wide, made from Corinthian brass, overlaid with plates of pure gold. It was so heavy that it took 20 men, and I'm not talking about 20 guys my size. It was probably 20 guys Brian Jordan's size. Good-sized guys, big big guys, uh, strong muscle guys that, that took that gate. It took 20 men to open and close that gate every time they wanted to move it. This is not just your average gate. It was all about the location. I remember a man by the name of David. I've talked about him every once in a while. My mind goes back to him every time I think about somebody that is begging because that's what he did. David would come down. He had his spot. <coughs> I got to know him a little bit when I was a foot courier, and I, I covered uh, three blocks wide by uh, seven blocks long down in St. Louis, right downtown on Olive, Chestnut, and Pine Streets. And David would come down about 4.15. 4.30 every single day, and he would sit right in front of 720 Olive, the old Laclede gas building. And he had something wrong with the way his legs, they didn't work right, and so he would he would sit in a way that if I tried to show you, it would make me very uncomfortable. I probably couldn't do it, but his legs bent backwards, and he would sit there right in front of that building, and he would set up shop about 4.15, 4.30 every single day, and people would come out of the Laclede gas building, and head off down to the parking lot where their car was parked to head on home, and he would he would find his spot there every single day. And I got to know him just a little bit, and I learned that panhandlers and, and beggars, uh, they can be very territorial about their spots, and David was territorial about his. There were other people that would try to kind of horn in on his location. He'd shoo them away, going down someplace. This is my spot. He would shoo them off. I never saw him in the mornings when people were coming to work because people don't usually, they're not in a real good mood on their way into work. People are typically a little more cranky, you know, they're looking. But he knew exactly what to do. He knew when to catch people. 
at their best, and that's when they're headed home from work. They clocked out, and they'd clock out 4.30 and 5 o'clock, and he would catch all the people, all the happy people on their way home, and they would throw money in his little shoebox that he kept there. He did well. I know he did well because I worked with somebody that went to church with the guy, and he dressed to kill. They said he had a chauffeur that would sometimes pick him up and run him around town. That's why David was pretty particular about his spot. It was his location. He did well there. The best spots are hard to come by. This lame man, obviously, over the course of all the years that he had been sitting there, had moved his way up the ladder to the best spot in Jerusalem. He's sitting beside the gate, beautiful, where the faithful go into and come out of the house of God. Surely, if there's anybody that will show him some charity, it's the people of God. (coughs) Lord, help us. Help us to be known for our love for people. Help us to be known for being charitable for those that are in need. Surely there's no better place than the gate beautiful. He had an expectation that he could get his need met at the gate. Let me show you the power of expectation. I'll take you to the book of Job. and I want to read to you what Job said, chapter 3, verse 25, and this is what he said. He said, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. It's obvious to me that in reading this, that Job spent a lot of time thinking about the bad things that could happen to him. Because the Bible tells us what he said. I, I didn't just, fear is a normal thing. But he said, I greatly fear as that which I was afraid of has happened to me. Life. If all I ever thinking about is, is the worst case scenario, I wake every, up every morning and wonder what bad thing is going to happen to me today. There's something that's almost magnetic about that kind of mind frame and that expectation. You can have expectations that are negative, and they will draw you towards negative things. And that's why I'm saying today, there's only one thing that, that's as bad as that, and that is having an expectation of just the average when God is involved. I don't believe God has called this church to be average. I don't believe he's called it to be negative, but I believe that this can become a place in our city where the person can walk through the door, can walk through with an expectation of leaving changed, leaving knowing they met God in this place. I don't want to expect the negative. On the flip side of that, what if when we come to the house of God, we come expecting the miraculous? <coughs> we walk in here and we expect. Now I, I've told the, the little prayer circle up here, <coughs> after we finish <coughs> uh, our, our little practice and this morning got geared up for, for, for the, the song service, we, we have this little time of prayer, and I said, you know, I said, I, I want us to get our heads on straight. I want us to think about why we're here today. I want us to have an expectation. I said, the Lord gave me this message, and then the phone calls start coming. 
Oh, this one's sick. That one's sick. Uh, we're, we're, we're missing musicians. We're missing singers. We're that one's gone. Uh, this one. This one. I, I mean, the phone calls just kept on coming this morning. This one's fallen, and they've hurt himself, and and that that thing's happened, and this thing's happened, and we're going to be missing them, and they're out on vacation. And I began to think, God, you know, maybe I've missed some mark. And then the Lord spoke into my heart, and he said, no, this is exactly what I'm talking about. We come depending too much on other things. I think that we need to come with an expectation that if just one or two show up, it doesn't matter. We can have a move of God. We can have the miraculous take place. We can see people delivered, whether they're in this place or we're praying for them somewhere outside of the wall. I believe that somebody that's home right now, sick in their body, can be healed instantaneously because this church knows how to pray. Clap your hands to the Lord with me. Come on, I believe that. I expect that. It's more than just believing that it can happen. It's time we start expecting it to happen. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You don't believe in it only when you see it. You believe on it before you ever see it. You believe in it even when you're simply hoping that it will happen. I often bring this instance up, but it rings so true today. Children of Israel walking around that wall. Jericho, here they are. First day they walk around, second day they walk around, nothing happens. Third day they walk around. You know, you know those people were probably taunting them, laughing at them. What are they doing? This is not how you win a battle. It is that that's how God tells you to win the battle. Some of the craziest things I've ever done before under the anointing of the Holy Ghost have, have brought about some of the greatest miracles that I've ever been a part of experiencing doesn't have to make sense to me. It's not about what we're doing so much as it about, as it about the obedience of the one that's calling us to do it. Not an easy thing to always position ourselves in a place of expectation. I get it. Sometimes it takes all the effort and the energy that we can muster. <coughs> Sometimes I'm, I'm, I, wish, I wish I could have pulled this off. If I don't know what he was teaching today, I would have tried because I was going to, I was thinking about it. Brother Jones got your expectations up, and, and then they come crashing down as he illustrated, you know, uh, how you can get your hopes up that maybe you're going to get that $25 gift certificate only to find out that it was all a ruse. There was no gift certificates. So today, if, if I would have got up here and said, Okay, there are three $25 gift certificates. I doubt Brother Graham would have got down on his back and crawled underneath the pew looking for it a second time. And there's a reason for that. Because our expectation has been shattered. We've been let down. We, we, we've, we've been disappointed. How many times have I prayed for somebody and they not got, got healed and I want them to be healed and I'm believing in their healing, but I've been, <laughs> I've been disappointed. 
I can tell you there's been a lot of times where I've sat in my house in a great deal of pain and tried to make a, a deal with God. And so, God, God, if you'll just heal me right now. if you, I believe that you can. And he never one single time has he ever healed my back. Now, I've had him heal other pieces of me. I broke down more than once, brother. But that does not stop me from asking. And that does not stop me from believing. But it can play havoc with my expectation because I'm human. And I start coming up with excuses like, well, maybe it's just not God's will. Now, why would Jesus Christ take the stripes upon his back and tell us by his stripes we were healed if he didn't want us to receive from that. Just because you don't get your answer the first time that you ask the question, the first time that you put in your request, doesn't mean that you ought to stop asking, stop believing, and stop expecting. Maybe it just wasn't the right time, but I believe that God has a healing for everybody that needs a healing. I believe that God can deliver. There's not a single person in this place today that has to be lost. You're only lost if you choose to be lost. But if you expect today that God can change you, I believe that his spirit can change you today. Just like that. Just like that. And aneurysm's gone. I didn't stand up, lay both hands on top of his head. It was a simple prayer. It's a simple prayer, but it was connected to an expectation of a mighty God who loves us enough to heal us, amen, to deliver us, to free us. It has to have an expectation attached to it. The woman with the issue of blood. I'll tell you what she didn't say. She didn't say, well, if I, if I felt a little better, I'd go out there and try to, Try to entertain an audience with Jesus. Well, if, if everybody didn't know my business, know that I've been sick a long time, and I wouldn't make people uncomfortable, I would go try to try to entertain and see if I could get Jesus' attention. I'd go if it wasn't so crowded. I'd go if it was a little bit easier. I'd go if I was... Sure that Jesus would give me his attention. I understand that. There's a fear in walking from that pew up to this altar. Of wondering what God could do, what he might do. And some of it is just because we're not sure we want to change. She said, no. I can just touch the hem of his garment. I don't have to be the center of his attention. He doesn't even have to know I was there. Think about that. We walk into his presence. We don't I don't need I don't need him to give me his full attention. He's got a lot on his plate, but he gives it to me anyway. She didn't say, if I can stop everybody and get everybody to focus on me, if I can put the pressure on him, 
Lord, here I am. I'm in need. You've healed others. Can you heal me? I didn't try to trap Jesus. She said, no. <coughs> I'm just going to try to work my way through. In my weakened state, I'm going to push and press until I've given it everything that I can. And if I don't ever get him to speak to me, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be made whole. You want to talk about expectation being a powerful thing. That story right there is a powerful illustration of how God responds to our expectation. Don't expect anything from him. You may not get anything from him, not because he doesn't want to give you something, but because you hinder him, you don't allow him to. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You stop and read that verse once a day for about a month and let it really sink in good. Anything that you can ask or think, he can go above and beyond it. That's pretty powerful words. That's not me giving you a promise. That's the word of God telling you what he's able to do. but it's attached to this. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think, but it's according to the power that worketh in us. What power? The Holy Ghost? Well, yeah. But I've seen people that have the Holy Ghost not operate to the optimum way that God wants them to operate. You can have the Holy Ghost and still miss out on a lot of things that God wants to do through you. What gets the Holy Ghost moving? Faith. Expectation is simply putting faith in motion. That's all expectation is. I'm having faith that God's able to accomplish what his word tells me already that he can accomplish. That starts in the mind. That's why it's a powerful thing if we allow negative thoughts of doubt to begin to walk through these doors. We have to guard ourselves against it. and We have to walk in expecting the miraculous. There's no special formula to it. A better sermon ain't going to do it. A better new song ain't going to do it. Uh, a, 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 new, a, a new platform ain't going to do it. Uh, the, there's a lot of things that we put our hopes and dreams in, but none of those things are as powerful as walking through the doors with the expectation that God is going to meet us right here in this place, whether there's music going, we just saw it illustrated. That was a powerful move of God we had just about 30 minutes ago, and there was no music. Now, I'm not down in music because music is the heart and the soul of what sets the atmosphere. It's a powerful thing. But if we become dependent upon that for God to move, we've missed the boat altogether, honey. we got to walk in this place knowing that the Word of God is powerful and it's sharp and it's able to do exceeding abundantly more than we can even ask or think. 
What can you dream of your family to be serving the Lord together? God's able to do it. If our music would come today. When you pray for somebody, dear God, help me, I'm as guilty as the next person. It's like saying hello or goodbye. Oh, I'll be praying for you about that, and that's the last. I've tried to get myself to where I immediately stop and pray. I don't have to hit my knees for 20 minutes for God to understand. I don't have to use the these and thou's and speak the king's English. That's not what Jesus spoke anyway. He was not English. It doesn't have to be beautiful and flowery. It doesn't have to be long. It has to be connected to an expectation. God, you see the need, and there's needs in this place today. And I fully believe we're just going to do something simple, like open an altar for those that have a need. And I don't care what it is, if it's physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, it really doesn't matter to me because I'm not the one that's going to meet the need. I can't meet the need. All we are, we are simply ministers, conduits, ministers of the, we just manage God's business to the best of our ability, and he calls people to lay hands upon the sick, and his word says they'll recover. He said, call for the elders, and that's what we're going to do today. Well, I'm going to ask our elders. I'm going to ask our elders to come and pray for those that are sick. When you pray, pray with expectation. When you lay hands on a sick child, do it with expectation. Would you stand with me today? Got to determine that I'm not going to remain in my troubles. Bad things happen to us while we're here on this earth. We suffer in all different sorts of ways, and most of us suffer differently than our brothers and sisters, but suffering we can all relate to. We feel pain. We feel loss. We feel betrayal. And we can either... either Just settle with that and live with that, or we can put a new expectation on our life. Some of our young people need the Holy Ghost. Some of our children, they've been baptized. They need the Holy Ghost. Not not so we can hand out a, 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 and make a display of it and hand out a, a certificate that says, hey, now you have the Holy Ghost. No, this is a part of the salvation process. In order to go to heaven, the Word of God, in Acts 2.38, tells us to repent, be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've gotten used to 40-minute sermons and five-minute altar calls. God, if you can't give it to me right here, right now, don't expect for me to fight for it. Don't expect for me to to waste too much time. I'll go on about my business because my life is okay right now. (coughs) 
But I wonder if there could be a hunger that would begin to stir in our midst today. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? And I wonder if there would be those that are simply just wanting more from the Lord. It doesn't matter what your need is. By walking up to this altar and allowing the ministers and the elders to lay hands, just brothers and sisters to lay hands on brothers and sisters, you're not admitting that you've done some grave sin. You're not up here saying, oh, look at me. I, I, I'm a terrible wreck. I'm a mess. You know, God knows exactly what you need. I don't have to. I don't want to. I want the Lord to be able to use me in, in liberty. And oftentimes, the only way I can have liberty is to be ignorant of a situation. Then I can speak it as the Lord delivers it. If you have a need in your family, if you want to stand in proxy for somebody else, if you have a physical need in your body, if you're having a relational problem with somebody in your family or a spouse, if you need the Holy Ghost today, why don't you come right now? And don't wait, don't tarry, just don't even think about it. Just begin to make your way up here. They're going to sing and we're going to pray for you and the Lord is going to move. If you're thinking that he can only move if we sing the right song, then you've got it all out of kilter. He can only move if certain things happen or certain ones pray for me, you've got it all out of kilter. I believe that today the most powerful thing that we can step up here with is an expectation of God to meet your need. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.